Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. If you would, turn the Bibles with me to Mark chapter 5. We are in a series uh, talking about the disciples and the things that Jesus took them through to teach them. How many of you know that sometimes you've got to go through some things to, to, to learn some things? Um, and Jesus takes his disciples through these things to teach them but also, what we, we tend to forget is that he takes them through that so that we can see that whenever, whenever we're in situations, this is how the disciples were taught, that, that we learn. We need to learn through the scripture. This is what Jesus is wanting us to do. This is what Jesus is calling us to do. And uh, this morning, I, I want to share a subject that I feel like uh, in the years that I've preached and been in ministry, and I've been in ministry since 2003, that I haven't ever heard a person preach on this specifically um, in, in an area that I've sat in. I've heard sermons about it, but I haven't actually been in a physical room where someone's preached on it. And I think it's, um, it's extremely important. I think it's extremely, in, 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 I think it's going to be more important as the days get closer to Jesus coming back. And uh, I, I think for me, if you're new, you, you will learn very quickly that I don't um, I'm not swayed by what I feel like everybody wants to hear. I, I try to preach what the Lord is telling me. And I have, I have a great um, reverence for what God is wanting me to teach you. My job is not to build a big church. It's to build, build big people. It's to build people of faith. And sometimes you've got to preach sermons that are going to make you uncomfortable. And I'm letting you know that this one will probably make you uncomfortable. I'm just giving you forewarning. Uh, viewer discretion is advised. <laughs> All right? So uh, the, last ser- the last service was like, I did not know. I don't know. Well, we may have lost a few. Um, but I, no, I don't think so. I think, I think people are desirable. I think they want to hear it. I think they don't know what to do. And so we're going to start off in Mark chapter 5. You're like, what are we talking about this morning? Well, you're going to find out in just a second. Um, if you read the, the top part of that, it says, Jesus heals a demon-possessed man. All right? That's where we're going this morning, and I think it's extremely important. I think, uh, so let me, let me read the, the text, 1 through 6, we're going to read, and then we will pray and get started. It says, so they, they arrived, so first of all, let me, so a couple of weeks ago, I preached on the storm called Take a Nap. Y'all remember that. So out of that, we see that Jesus was in a storm, right? He gets his disciples through it. On the other side, we realize why the storm came, right? It was for this man who was on the other side of the shore. This is the story that we're going to pick up on this morning, all right? So we could have called this after the storm. Dang, why didn't I think about that? Anyway, uh, so, so in Mark chapter 5, it says this. So they arrived at the other side of the lake, the region of the Gerasians. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and no longer could be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones." When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, bowed low before him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the power of the spirit that lives on the inside of us, God. That, God, that you've given us authority, that you've given us power. And Father, I thank you that 
that you have set us up with a great assignment to set the captive free. So Father, I thank you this morning, God, that as your spirit speaks to us, God, and makes us aware, God, of those that are bound, God, that we would want to liberate them. And God, through doing that, it would make you more famous today than you were yesterday. Come on, if you believe that this morning, say amen. So the title is called Make It Your Business. And I was thinking about this as this man, as we hear the story about this man and we see that he's trapped, he's in bondage. He has literally been put in chains and shackles and they would take him out and they would put him out in the cemetery and they would chain and shackle him and would break him and they would go back out and they would chain and shackle him. And if you could imagine being trapped within yourself, I don't know if you've ever been on an elevator and you push the elevator button to close the door and you always wonder, is the door going to open back up? If I close it and it shuts, is it going to open back up? Or you've ever been in a bunker and you've feared getting, you know, getting locked in it. It's like, if I get locked in, I'm going to be, oh my gosh. And imagine being tormented and being, being so trapped in yourself that you don't know what to do with your life. This is what I want you to, you know, I had a friend of mine who just, he posted this yesterday. He was uh, in, a, in a hotel and he got into a, an elevator. He actually got trapped. They had to use the little phone that you call. I was like, hey, uh, we're trapped on in between three and five. <laughs> we're right in between four somewhere. We don't know where, but we're trapped. Imagine that feeling of not knowing when you were going to get out. Imagine that feeling. I was telling the, the earlier services, like, Jay, since the time she was two months old, if you held her too tight, she'd just flip out. Even to this day, I, I would squeeze her when we're wrestling. She's like, Dad, I want to wrestle. I'll start wrestling with her. She starts breathing hard. I squeeze her kind of tight. She's like, Dad, I can't breathe. And she can breathe. She's talking, right? But she cannot be restricted. She hates being restricted. And I want us to understand that the enemy loves to restrict. He loves to trap. He loves to put us in things that, that where we can lose sight of our, our destiny and our purpose. And here we know that this man, we don't know if he's saved or if he's, you know, if, he's, if he's a religious man at one point in his life, or if he's just a man who's living his life as a sinner and, and whatever. But I think the misconception is to understand that if you are saved, that doesn't mean that the enemy still doesn't have control over you. That a lot of times we, we think, well, because I've said yes to the Lord, that, I mean, when I've done deliverance with people, all of the people that I've done deliverance with were people who were saved. There were people who had given their lives to Jesus, but they had opened up a door to the enemy through, through a different number of things. And when you open up the door to your car and you say, get in, right? The enemy will gladly get in. It doesn't matter where you're going. It doesn't matter what your, how nice of a car it is, right? And so what I want you to understand is that here we see that the enemy is showing us his true colors. And so many of us, we said yes to Jesus, but we forget. We forget how spiritual your yes was, right? It's like yes to the Lord, but we forgot. When you said yes to the Lord, you said no to the enemy, right? You realize that the stories that you've heard are about a man talking to a snake in a garden. Think about that. Like we, we forget how spiritual this thing that we call faith is. And what I want to awaken you to is that the reality that there are people in your lives right now that may not be in shackles and chains physically, but they are internally. They are bound to pornography. They are bound to, a, to drug addiction. They are bound to alcoholism. They are bound to work. They are bound to a relationship that is unhealthy. And they are in chains and a lot of us, what we do is we, always, we, we pity them and we say, oh, poor them. 
That is not your and mine assignment. Our assignment is to set those people free. Our assignment is to liberate them. And you're going to see how Jesus plays this out and what he does. And the same thing that Jesus does, he requires us to do. In fact, if you flip over to chapter 6, I didn't do this the first service, but this is what it says. And Jesus sends out the 12 disciples. So after he teaches them, he sends them. Right here, it says this. It says that they went out casting out demons. Like, do you realize that that is our assignment? That is our assignment. I think there's two things that in the big church is missing. I think that we've walked away from, or I shouldn't say the big church, I mean as an American church. I think that there are things that we've walked away from that are so crucial to the well-being of people's freedom. And one is discipleship, and two is deliverance. That I think that if we will get back to discipleship being a key component in church and deliverance being a key component, that there will be a change in the culture. But a lot of times we allow people to come in and they, have, they, get, they bring their demons in and they leave with their demons. Right? And we just say, well, that's really bad that they've got that kind of an addiction. That stinks that they've got that. And instead of having... The, the, the willpower to say, you know what, this is no longer going to be. Now, you can't make somebody get free. But oftentimes, if you really have a conversation, everybody that's bound wants to be free. I've rarely met someone that says, yeah, I like being in bondage. No, I've been in a room where a man has bawled his eyes out because he was addicted to porn and he wanted free, but he did not know how to get free. I've been in a room where a man was bound to alcoholism and he didn't want to be bound to it, but he was bound to it and he needed freedom. I've been in rooms with people who want freedom, but they just don't know how to get it. And here we see Jesus begin to, to, to play this out. And I can already tell the room is already kind of like, eh, where are we going here? Right? But we have no problem watching Anna, exorcisms, and all the things that we watch on TV. But if the church starts talking about demon possession, it's like, whoa, where are you going, bro? Like, you realize that they have movies because of what we believe. They have movies because of how, what we are called to do. Right? We have, we have got a great assignment on our lives, and it is to set the captive free. You know that when you signed up, you signed this thing called the Great Commission. It was not called the Great Suggestion. It is the Great Commission. And Jesus said, you will heal the sick, cast out demons, and disciple that is your assignment. And it is so easy to forget that it is not about showing up to church and leaving and watching people stay bound. That there is a great assignment on our lives to get people set free. So they arrived at the, at the other side of the lake. And when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. Now, isn't it interesting that this man who is bound and he is being possessed by the enemy comes to find Jesus? Jesus is not searching for him. He gets to the shore knowing there must be an assignment because there, is a, there was an assignment to destroy me in the water. See, the, we, we forget that that storm was produced by the enemy to try to keep him from getting this man free. And a lot of times what I want to say is that there are oftentimes storms that come in your lives to try to keep you from somebody else's freedom. That we, we, allow, we allow 
these other things to say, well, this is too tough. If the enemy can stop you in your storm, he can stop somebody else from getting set free. But we have to have a tenacity that says, you know what, I don't care what storm I've got to go through. I've been bound before, and I refuse to let somebody else be bound. I know what it's like. I know what it feels like, and I'm going to fight. I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to get those, set, those people set free. I'll tell you why discipleship and deliverance is very void in the church, because it takes work, because it takes time, because it takes energy. Because if we could wave a wand and make you spiritual and make you so aware of the Lord, we would do it, right? Because then it's no effort on us. Deliverance takes time. When you're having to cast out a, de a devil, an enemy, the demons, like they don't just flee out like, like you know, a fairy. Like, oh, we'll be back. You know, no, they like, they fight, they resist, they don't want to leave. They want to torment, they want to torture. And when we understand what the spiritual realm is, we begin to understand, okay, there's a great assignment on this person's life. They're bound because of something. God has something bigger for them. God has something he's stopping them from. So we see this, this all of a sudden, this enemy that, this, I mean, this man, by, this being tormented by the enemy, is now seeing Jesus coming to the shore. And it says that he came to meet him. What's significant about that? What is significant about that is this, is that the, the man, even though he's demon-possessed, he wants free. And he is doing everything he can. Who knows what the enemy is doing to try to, he's tormenting him and trying to get him to not get there. Because if you know an, an, an enemy, they don't just sit there and just like, hey, we're just going to do whatever. No, they are resistant. They try to fight against. But this man wanted freedom because he saw someone that was free. And that goes back to my first point is I want you to understand this is that bound people need free people. Bound people, they need free people. If you are free in this place, you are available and we need you on the front lines to start doing what God has called you to do and that's setting people that are bound free. God gave you a discernment. He, he gave, we talk about the nine gifts and was like, oh, I want this gift. And we get, you don't get to pick and choose those gifts. Those are his. It says the Holy Spirit's gifts. And he gives those to you as needed. And when you are in a situation, you have this discernment of spirit, meaning discerning whether it's God's spirit or it's the enemy. And he gave you this spirit so that you would have the power to deliver. Right? Like even Jesus got accused of casting out demons and that he was a demon. It's like, dude, you can't build a house if you keep throwing out wood and trying to build walls. You can't do that. Like, you know, you're building against yourself. And he's accused of this. And I want you to understand that this morning that the enemy is going to do everything he can to manipulate. He used that to make these people think that it was a demon in Jesus. Jesus says, no, I, I know what's going on. I know how the enemy works. He works at every angle he can. You realize that the enemy is not a creator. He's a copycat. He can't, he can't create anything. He's never created. He took pornography. Well, he created porn. No, he didn't. He, he perverted it. He perverted marriage. And made it something that it's never supposed to be. Right? Everybody's like, well, we can drink wine. Well, he took it and he perverted it. And now people become alcoholics. See, the enemy can only copycat. He can only twist and manipulate and pervert what God has created as something beautiful. See, bound people are attracted to those that are free. If you keep wondering, man, why do these people always find me? It's two reasons. Either you got the same spirit or you're free. I promise you that's the truth. 
It's 100% the truth. Spirits will find spirits. I know this by experience. Not me as in having a spirit, but I've dealt with enough of them to know. Spirit will find a spirit, but if you're free, a spirit will be drawn to you. The person will be drawn to you because they want to be set free. Right? So they're attracted. They, this man was attracted to Jesus, not because of a wrong spirit, because of the spirit in the inside of him. Because of the Holy Spirit that was leading and guiding Jesus' life. And this man said, if I can get what that guy has, I can be free from these chains. Guys, I want you to understand, there are people that are broken and hurting. And they're full of chains and bondage and strongholds. And they are attracted to people like you that are free. The environment, I believe, matters. It's interesting that he was in a, he was in a cemetery, and the next thing we know is that now he's standing on the shore next to Jesus. See, environment is important. In other words, what I'm saying is if you are one of those people that are struggling with freedom from something, you need to change the environment you're in. If you're trying to get set free from alcohol, you need to stay away from relationships that keep drawing you to it. If you're dealing with porn, you need to do something about the things that you're using access to get it. You have to change the environment if you want that thing to change in you. Notice the man leaves the place of comfort in the burial place, the cemetery. He leaves that environment, and he finds something different in this environment. When he gets to where he's with Jesus, everything changes. All the things begin to shift and change. People want freedom. They just don't know how to get it. People, they want it. They want freedom. I've rarely, I don't know if I've ever met anybody that says, no, I like my bondage. No, people want free. They just don't know how to get free. Or let me just say this, or they don't have people around them that care about getting them free. We as believers have to care about people getting set free. And I know some of us are like, I know what you're thinking. Like, I've never been around a demon. Like, I've never been around deliverance. Like, that's why I'm sharing this, so that we can at least get the ball rolling, so that you can begin to start thinking about it. Like, I realize there's probably classes and things that we need to implement in our church to help you help people. I get that. But at least I got to get the ball rolling so that you can understand, okay, wow, like demons don't just jump out of people and just leave people just because. They come out by authority. They come out by the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And when we speak something, that, that, that person being possessed has to, has to submit. It has to submit to God. It doesn't have any power. Like we've seen where demons torment and they start jumping at people. They don't have that power. You are the final authority. When what you speak, when, when, when God has authorized and empowered you, that, that spirit has to listen to you. It's quiet in here, huh? I think that one of the greatest deceptions the enemy uses is convincing a person that they deserve to be bound. I think that as this man sitting in the cemetery that why he went to cutting is because he was convinced that he deserves this, so I might as well just mutilate my body. This is what I deserve. The choices that I've made in the past. How many of you have ever done something really stupid and the enemy just let you off? No. The enemy attacks you and he, he goes after your mind and he tells you, you deserve what you're at. And any person that's being bound right now, understand, you don't need to give them any more, con- you don't need to give them any more convincing of what they're bound by. The enemy has been tormenting them and convincing that they deserve to be where they're at. 
It is your job and your assignment to let them know why God wants to set them free. The enemy will convince them and convince them, you deserve to be in this cemetery. That's all you're worth. You should be around dead people. You have no value. You have no life. You have no purpose. Be around dead people because that's the, that's the most life you're going to have. It's not by, in, by coincidence that he's in a cemetery, that he is walking among burial caves. Because the enemy, as long as he can keep him around that kind of an environment, he never has the desire and craving for life. He never has the craving for freedom. And God is wanting to set people free, but we've got to get them out of one environment into another environment. It says that he broke the chains and he broke the shackles every time that he got in there. Every time they tried to chain him up and try to put him in, into this place to keep him still, it says that he broke them. And one thing I want you to understand is this, is that external, external freedom doesn't give internal freedom. That no matter how many chains he broke, he was still in bondage internally. That he was still cutting himself and tormenting and howling and, and doing all the crazy things that, that, that demons want them to do. Stripping him naked and making him embarrassing himself. Right? Like this is what the spirit of the enemy wants to do. He'll make you feel like you're free externally as long as he can keep you bound internally. As long as everybody else can look and say, oh, look, that's a great person. But inside, you know that you're tormented. That is great for him. It's when you expose what's going on internally, that's where you get your freedom. When you begin to expose, man, I've been struggling with this. That's where you get your freedom. As long as the enemy can make you look and appear free, that's what he wants. But you have to be able to have a discernment. To know, hey, this person's they look free, but there's something going on inside. And I'm not saying that we go and we start flipping rocks and looking for devils everywhere we go. That's stupid. We have a discernment of spirits so that we know that when we come across things and we're having conversations, the spirit will show us and reveal to us. And then you begin to work and have a conversation. Let me just say this. Don't just walk up to them and say, hey, I think you have a devil. I know you want to do that to your spouse often, but... I don't highly recommend that. Okay, I, I want us to understand how the enemy works because he works covertly for the most part. He doesn't try to highlight himself. He wants to keep us bound without anybody else knowing. That's why a lot of pastors are addicted to porn, but they won't tell anybody because as long as they can preach a good word, but they go into their their home after and they feel miserable and they feel con condemned because the enemy eats their lunch because he knows what they're doing. As long as they can keep it secret, as long as the enemy can keep that under wraps, he keeps them bound from preaching the truth. See, we've got to understand that the enemy does, he's not messing around. Like the enemy is watching. The Bible says that he's an adversary, right? Searching and seeking whom he may devour. Like he's always looking for the crack in the door. Like right now, I can see the light right there, right? So I know there's, there's some air that can get through there. There is a possibility something can get through there, right? If he could slip a piece of paper through that crack and give you something you can read and make you think about something different, give you a different mindset, he will do it. And then what happens is he starts to make you, oh, you're blah, 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 and he makes you feel like that. And then guess what happens? You start to believe it after you read it long enough, think about it long enough, and then you start opening the door. And he comes right in and he puts down his little chair, his little picnic table. He says, hey, let's have a chat. 
right? That's how it works. Like the enemy doesn't come in with a bulldozer and push down doors, typically. I'm not saying he doesn't, but he's usually very calculated. And he will take his time. It may have been 20 years working this thing out to take you out. He's patient. This is why we have to begin to understand the enemy so that we can defeat him. See, I think in this, we have to understand, why did this happen to this man? Because understand, this demon knows about this man's anointing, oftentimes more than this man knows about his anointing. His calling. Some of y'all, you keep, you're wondering why you're at, because the enemy knows how called you are, and you haven't yet been fully convinced of it. So, so the enemy knows. How does the enemy know? Well, the enemy used to hang out with this man named God. And he used to see the seraphim flying around, holy, holy, holy. He used to see all the angels going down and up and, 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 and doing all the different things in the heavenlies. Like, if there's anybody that knows the power of what our creator can create, it is him. And he knows that when he creates something, he creates it amazing and beautiful and wonderful and powerful and purposeful. And he understands that anything that God creates, he creates with purpose. And so I've got to convince them that they don't have purpose because if I can convince them of that, they will sell out and they will submit to me. And that's what we have to understand is that we are working with, a, with a, an enemy that understands the power of the creator. That he knows the creator better than you and I do oftentimes. He knows the potential of when God designs something, when he creates something, that he creates it with majesty and beauty and, and destiny. He says, I got to get to it before they understand it. The enemy is totally fine with you loving Jesus. What he doesn't want you to do is to begin to be aware of what the calling of God is for your life. Because if he can keep you ineffective, that's his whole mission. That's why he loves church. The devil loves church. Because this is where people feel like they're spiritual and they're not. Because they come in and they say, well, I'm justified now because I went to church on Sunday, so I got my life right, I'm good. And then you go back out to the same habit and addiction as soon as you leave. So we've got to get to the place where things are changing in us. Things are shifting in us. Things are, are, are different because of our relationship with God. And as that shifts, then we become free. I mean, anybody that's been free from something, I mean, you don't, you don't have people that have experienced Germany whenever, whenever Hitler took over telling you how lovely it was. No, when they got set free, they will tell you how bad it was and how awesome freedom is. Because why? They experienced what it was to be in bondage. All of us, we need to be reminded of what it was that we were once slaves to sin. That we were, we're all once in shackles and chains. And it is the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ that set us free. That he set us free so that we could be purposeful with our lives. He did not set you, he did not set you free so that you could go to church and patty cake and just be feeling okay. That's what the enemy would love for you to do is just to be okay and just be like, oh, we just live in life. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. Is this too straightforward? See, 
in verse 7, it says this. It goes on. It says, with a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torment me. I love that he says, don't torment me, but he understands what he's been doing to another man. He's saying, don't torment me. No, the God's like, no, I'm about to give you what you've been giving somebody else. Jesus is a tad big gangster. All right? He's a little savage. He's like, oh, I'm about to interfere, boy. I'm about to put the smack down. You know, mama, when they get the belt, you're like, no! That's Jesus. Like, dad, I'm fine, but mommy get the belt? Oh, boy. It's over. So what happens here? Do we, the, this enemy uses this word. Why are you interfering? What a question to ask Jesus Christ. Why are you interfering with me? And it just goes to show you the tenacity of the enemy. Why are you trying to interfere with the business, my business account, my business, my company? Why are you doing this? And I want you to understand, this is the, where everything should shift for us, is that the only reason Jesus interfered was because of love. He loved that man so much that he refused to let that man stay bound. And what I want you to understand is that we have to get to the place where we love people so much that we are willing to interfere to intervene. Love, let me just say a second point, love makes it your business. Love, you've been given the power, you've been given the authority because God is in you, he loves people, and he says, I'm gonna make it your business. Love makes it your business. Love, love says, I will interfere to intervene. I will get into their business because I know that God loves them. He says this, he says, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant land. I want you to understand that demons are like four-year-olds. Sometimes you've got to tell them 25 times what you said. Right? They're just, they're stubborn. They don't just listen the first time. That, that, that they, will, they will continually resist the voice of, of, of authority. They, they don't just submit to authority. They, they resist it. They do everything they can to fight it. But here's the point, is that at the end of the day, it has to submit to the authority. See, understand that when God gave you his spirit, he gave you, if you've ever been around a police officer and they walk up to you, their badge gives them authority. And naturally it gives them, there's different industries where there are certain things that give people authority. And then there are certain aspects of that career that they give you power. It is one thing to have authority, it's another thing to have power, but what I want you to understand is Jesus gave you authority and he gave you power. He gave you authority and he gave you power. Authority to tell the enemy what he's going to do and power to cast it out. We need to want people free. We have to want people to be free as much as they want to be free. Right? Like our hearts should break for someone that's in bondage. It's, it's, I believe that it is, love is the antidote. It is the thing that, that the enemy 
cannot handle is that when you love someone so authentically that it, it translates and it creates a power and an authority in you that the enemy cannot tolerate. It's this love-hate relationship. You have to use love, and in that, the enemy hates love. Look, here in, in, verse, uh, in verse 6, he says this. When Jesus was still at some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me? And then he goes on, and it says that they, he continued, he had cast, tried to cast them out. And, and in this, it says this, that the enemy, I want you to understand this, that the enemy can't stop a person from getting their freedom. No matter what he's saying, whatever he's trying to do, the enemy cannot stop someone from getting their freedom. Because sometimes we can be like, well, I mean, it's just, I don't know. No, if they want free, Jesus is going to set them free. It doesn't matter what the enemy is trying to say, what the enemy is trying to do. The enemy does not have any more authority than the people give them. The moment that Jesus walks in on the scene, everything changes. Why? Because he understands his authority and he understands his power. I believe that deliverance comes through the love for people and authority in Jesus. Understand that you don't get people free because of you. Like, a demon doesn't see you and be like, oh my gosh, I'm terrified. No, a demon is terrified by you realizing who's in you. You and I have no power outside of Jesus Christ in our lives. We have no authority. We have no power outside of us understanding our identity. That's why the enemy works so hard on your identity. That's why he works so hard on convincing you that you're not spiritual enough. You don't have what it takes. Because as long as he can convince you that your badge doesn't work, then you don't try. And people stay bound. See, in, in this, we go on. It says, there happened to be a large herd. This is where a lot of people preach on. They preach about the pigs. This had nothing to do with pigs. This had to do with a man being bound by an enemy, by a spirit that was stopping him fulfilling his purpose. That's what it's about. We preach on the pigs way too much. The, the pigs are a consequence of not dealing with demons. So he goes on and it says this, send us into those pigs, the spirits begged, let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs and the entire herd of two thousand pigs plunged down the steep hill inside the lake and drowned in the water. They say that that was on that back then that would have been $250,000 of loss for them in their in their time. It's a lot of money. $250,000 it's estimated that they lost in that conversation with the enemy and what the enemy did to their to their whole community. See what I want you to understand is what you fail to confront in your lives, those around you, it ends up bringing devastation to theirs. That while what I'm saying is this, is that those, those people of that community, if they would have dealt with the spirit in this man, instead of chained him outside of the community, there wouldn't be any pigs to be destroyed. But oftentimes we don't think about it like that. We just think, oh, this is somebody else's issue. No, if somebody's bound, it's now become our issues. Because it's a person that God created in his image 
with a purpose. And it's our assignment, it has to become our assignment that we say, you know what, this is my responsibility. But see, what we see here is in this, it says that they, it says the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. As a crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of of demons, he was sitting there fully clothed, which if anybody knew him back then, they were like, why has the guy got clothes on? He's never, he's always naked. He's always running around. What is going on? This guy's got clothes on. Right? Like he's already got a different demeanor. That says, and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. I don't get this. So now they have a man who they've been having to constantly take out and probably 15 guys dealing with it and chain him up and shackle him up and now they're upset because he's free? There's something else going on in the story that maybe we don't fully understand. But they were more okay with dragging him out to the cemetery on a daily, weekly, monthly basis And dealing with his howling and his screaming and what he could do to their kids. And what he could do to their families. And they're upset that now he's clothed in his right mind. There is something going on in that town. There is something going on in that community. Spiritually. That I think we need to probably be more aware of. And he goes on and says this. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. You know, they cared more about the loss of their finances than the man's freedom. And I want you to know that if there's anything that's going to, to, I think that's one of our greatest struggles is that we become so worldly driven by the culture that we're around that it's all about getting a bigger 401k, it's all about getting a bigger house, a nicer, a nicer life. That when you care about all of that so much, you forget about those that are bound. And if the enemy can keep you building your, your life, these people stay bound. It's not until they lost what they valued that they were realizing, man, we should have probably dealt with this guy differently. So it goes on and it says this, as Jesus was getting into the boat, so they told him to leave. I love this. This is the epitome of the nature of Jesus. I want you to understand. These people did not want them in their town. And the next sentence, it says, and Jesus got in his boat and left. If you don't want freedom, Jesus will not push freedom on you. If you don't want to be delivered, if you don't want to be set free from whatever thing you've got going on in your life, he will not force it on you. He will let you live with your demons. He will let you live in bondage. It says, they said, get out of our town And he says, the next scene is that he was getting in his boat and leaving. But before he left, this is what happens. It says, so as soon as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Because I want you to know, people that have been set free by Jesus, they want to be with Jesus. People, if you've been set free, if you understand what bondage is, and you get free, you want to be with Jesus. You know that he is the author and the finisher of your faith, and you just got to have more time with him, and you want to be with him. He says, let me go with you. I mean, imagine a man who's been tormented and he's got scars on his body from cutting himself and torturing himself. 
Now he's fully clothed and he's in his right mind and he's like, what have I been doing to myself? And now he says, I just want to go with you. I want, I want to stay free. And this is what he says. Jesus says, no, go home. I absolutely love this. I don't know, after I read this, I was like, this is the epitome of why Jesus sets people free right here. He doesn't set you free just to be free. He sets you free to empower you to go live out your purpose for the very thing that he created you to do. And this man wants to go with him, but Jesus knows his greater assignment is not with him, but it is with his family. And if I can get him to his family, his family will have a different legacy. And Jesus says, no, you need to go to your family. So he says, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Did you hear what I said? That a man who was once in a cemetery is now proclaiming the gospel. He went to ten cities, so it's implying that he's got a pretty large family. Implying that what the enemy was trying to do was keep him from reaching his family. Because if he can reach, if he can stop him from that, he stops him from doing everything that he's been created to do. So here's the, here's the third and final point if you want it. It says this, freedom gives you a future with a purpose. See, see, what the enemy was doing is keeping him so bound that all he could see is his present. All he could focus on is, I can't believe I am here. I can't believe that I walk by this gravesite and this gravesite. And I think about this person and how they died and this person and how they died. And wow, if I could just live life like they did. But now I'm stuck here living in my own bondage and in my own sin. And all I see is my own struggle. This is what the enemy wants you to do. Is he wants you to focus on where you're at. But when God sets you free, your, your eyes shift. And they go from here and worrying about you to worrying about the world and those that are broken and hurting and need freedom out there. And I want you to know this morning, if you are focused on you, you need to be set free. That you need freedom so that you can start focusing on the people that God has got you around all over in your world. That there are people that need to be set free. Notice this, that as soon as he got free, he didn't worry about him anymore. It says that he wanted to go to the towns, and he did, and they were amazed at what God had done. That God wants to do things in our lives, but if we are bound, it stops God from being able to do what he wants to do through us. We have to get free first. I know this thing is kind of like, it's like, well, I'm, I can't have, a, I can't be oppressed. I can't, I can't have uh, any control from the enemy. You can. You can be a believer sitting here this morning being controlled by the enemy. And so many times we look at, at, at this as like a negative thing. I think it's negative when you don't realize it and admit it. If the enemy can keep you convinced that, oh, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Don't do that, don't do that. He keeps you bound. That's exactly what the enemy would love to do. But this morning, I believe that we've got to find our own freedom from the addictions and the things in our lives and say, you know what, God, you're going to set me free. You're going to set me free from the this addiction. You're going to set me free from this mindset. You're going to set me free from this, this thing that's, that's been controlling everything that I think about. 
Jesus is a chain breaker. He sets people free from the bondage of sin. If you've made an excuse for your sin, you're in bondage. I need you to know that if you've tried to justify why why you're doing what you're doing, you're in bondage. Well, I need this, or I've got to have this. No, you need Jesus and Jesus alone. I don't need anything else but Jesus and Jesus alone. He is everything that I need. And when you need something other than that, it it is a stronghold in your life. And I'm telling you this because I love you. I'm telling you this because I want you to be free. I want you to be empowered to live out the life that God has for your life. He loves you and he's for you. The intent of, the, of, of, of every one of us in here this morning is to destroy you so you can destroy your family. I want you to know that the greatest thing you have is family, to leave a legacy. And the legacy runs down. Imagine the stories that this man builds. He's able to tell that he can tell his grandkids and his great-grandkids. And they can tell dad was once, he was possessed by an enemy. No one ever thought he got married. He changed his life. God redeemed him. And now we all know Jesus because of this man who got set free. Now you think about the legacy of this man simply because he had an interruption with Jesus. He met this man that loved him so much and was willing to set him free. These people didn't want it. This town did not want Jesus. But I believe that has to shift for us, that we have to say, you know what, Jesus, I want whatever you've got. I want it. I want to be set free. I want, I want to be able to walk in freedom and confidence and security, knowing, God, you are calling me to something so much better. If you would stand with me this morning as I close. The power of freedom is purely this, the power of vision. That really what happened was he gained vision. And as he gained vision, he gained purpose. He gained this ability to say, okay, God, you have so much more for me. I thought this was my future. Living in this cemetery for the rest of my life, I thought this is all I had. But Jesus, you gave me vision. You set me free. now you empowered me to do what you've called me to do.